if you are a member of Congress and you're a Democrat, like this has been your opportunity to get big things done. And you see the writing on the wall. You're like, even if I get reelected, I'm going to be here in the minority party and it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Um, so am I really going to sign up for that? Um, the, the second factor is that right now the climate in Congress is very, very negative and uh, spiteful. Um, where someone told me that the Capitol or the halls of Congress used to be like a shopping mall. Um, even at like 6, 7 p.m. because everyone's just like going around. Well, there's like a lot of energy, a lot of life. You're like walking around, staff's like, um, uh, you know, doing work. Now they, they say all the doors are closed and it's like, a, you know, like a ghost mall or uh, like, like the, the vibe is really negative. People are just trying to get out of there. Staff are very demoralized. Um, uh, part of this was the January 6th insurrection where uh, uh, like it changed the energy, made people not feel safe. Um, and that there have been a ton of uh, death threats to various members of Congress, um, much more so than at earlier points. Um, so if you were a Democratic member of Congress, you're like, wait, why, why am I like coming back for this stuff? What's my upside? Um, yeah. Yeah, what, what, what's my upside? So you're seeing a bunch of people retire. Will that hurt Democrats' chances of, you know, like limiting their losses? Yes, it will, because, you know, you'd much rather have an experienced incumbent with lots of money running in, in a seat rather mm-hmm. than, than someone new. Yeah, so the prospects of Republicans taking the House next year, I think everyone recognizes are very, very high. This week on Forward, Build Back Better? Uh, Is it dead? Is it coming back? Is it on life support? We give our read here. Plus Omicron, why you should probably expect to get it at some point, unfortunately. And why the new Spider-Man movie is the future that we want. This week on Forward. And we're back. Zach is in his parents' crafts room with a mic in his face, looking like he's reporting the, the like uh, weather from indoors. Welcome, Zach. I guess you're home for the holidays. Uh, uh, happy holidays, Andrew. Don't um, do not assume that uh, I grew up in a house big enough that warranted a craft room. It's a bit of an overinvestment into the crafts uh, as a hobby, I think, from my mother's side of things. But I'm in the craft room. <laughs> I could have been in our studio talking to an empty chair. We could have done like a reenactment of the RNC or something. We could have. <laughs> but, but, but instead, instead, we are here to talk about a few big topics. Number one is Build Back Better, the incredible drama out of DC. Really such a mess. But I, I will say that it looks like it's been somewhat... Uh, tamped down already and what should have been an internal conversation uh, just happened to have been made public. So we can rehash the drama that if people haven't heard about it. Uh, But Zach, thoughts? Dude, what a mess, man. So high level guys, Build Back Better has not passed yet. And Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, has said he's out. And it was very public. And my original thought, Andrew, was... Here we are with a Washington, D.C. food fight. 
while the country is burning. And so you had Manchin saying, Joe Biden, your team has pissed me off and this bill isn't going to work. And then the White House team made a statement that just threw the guy under the bus and said he was awful. That's my high-level thought. I think we should dive in. Andrew, I think, my question for you, I think you essentially called this no you said like you're gonna have it's gonna get worse where it gets better i think i don't know if was, i don't know if that was your exact quote but you were kind of pessimistic on this am i right well i was pessimistic that it was going to get done by year end which made me very very upset right. because uh you have 62 million americans who are benefiting from the enhanced child tax credit and if it gets delayed past year end then they're gonna miss a payment at this point if we miss a payment and then they come back in February, that would be the absolute best case. But I was dubious that it was going to be passed by year end, just from the calendar, from the magnitude of it, uh, from the public statements. And so here's the the way the drama seems to have unfolded, where uh, they were still apart. Um, and then the Biden White House came out with a statement saying, hey, it's not going to happen and it's Joe Manchin's fault. And then Manchin apparently got really, really pissed off by this. And and then a few days later went on Fox News and was like, hey, I'm out. Uh, and the White House tried to call him before he went on air and he didn't take that call. He then did an interview uh, the next day and... Uh, oh, well, actually, uh, you're right that the Biden White House then released a statement essentially accusing him of dishonesty, um, mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know, he'd, he'd been on board with this a few days later and hopefully we changes his mind again. It just made it seem like, oh, like Joe Manchin is like um, flip flopping. And mm-hmm. then Manchin the next day gets interviewed and, and says that the White House is staff driven and this is the, the staff and they know what they did. And so uh, Manchin did something very, very generous, which is he didn't trash Joe Biden, he trashed his staff, which yeah. then actually gives you a bit of a path back. And uh, Joe Biden and Joe Manchin had a call. And these guys have known each other for decades. And so apparently cooler heads may be prevailing and Joe Manchin may come back uh, in January ready to deal, which, by the way, was where everything was, you know, like a week ago. It's like uh, like things are kind of slow walking, but everyone thought that there was a deal to be made. And and so it, it seems like this is just miscommunication playing out for all to see. Um, but a couple of things you can lay at the White House's feet. And when you say White House, I guess in this case, it's the staff. It's like, number one, uh, name checking Joe Manchin as the cause for it not passing uh, by year end uh, was probably the wrong move because it, it seems to have just pissed Joe Manchin off and like re- result in egg in everyone's face. And number two, when he goes and announces that he's out, uh, accusing him of dishonesty, like, you know, doesn't seem productive, uh, even if you feel that or believe that, because the math is still the math. You need 50 senators to pass this thing uh, or some version of it. Uh, you've been building up to it for months and months. Uh, and so uh, you can look at this and say that the, the White House uh, misjudged um, and miscommunicated uh, uh, where Manchin's concerned. And hopefully, you know, like the harm isn't anything people can't walk back from. So it's unique for him because he does his state is what, plus 30, 40 Nine. points for Trump, right? Yeah, plus so 39 Trump. He, he cannot. He doesn't have to play Team Dem. He's in a rare position. We've talked about this before. His statement essentially said, if he can't explain it back home, he can't vote for it. 
Um, he basically said it was too expensive, um, citing rising debt, uh, inflation, and because of the um, rising threats geopolitically, specifically Russia and China, he called out, "We won't be if we have massive debt, we won't be able to fight back um, or defend ourselves. And then he also mentioned, I think, things that hit close to home in West Virginia, issues with the energy portions of Build Back Better, where it would risk the reliability of our electric grid and increase our dependence on foreign supply chains. Talked about what happened both in both Texas and California over the past two years and that if we accelerate too fast, that's what happens, whether he's right or not, not sure. And then the White House said um, they were really strong in their punchback on the uh, expenditure side, whether they're accurate or not. They said the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, um, talked about that there's no inflation for this bill in the long in the short term and it reduces inflationary pressures in the long term it lowers the cost of a bunch of things um it they claimed that that build back better is the most fiscally responsible major bill that congress has considered in years and reduces the deficit in the long run that's a direct quote um and so they punched back pretty hard on the budget side of things but they did not punch very back part they did not punch hard uh, or very hard back on the climate change piece all they said was that he's wrong um, and that build back better will produce a job creating clean energy future for this country including west virginia that was their only statement on it um so i don't know if your thoughts were if you've looked into the climate side of build back better or if you think this is just food fighting and hand waving and none of this matters in terms of getting it done or do these specifics actually matter in your opinion well west virginia is its own place uh it's hmm. highly coal dependent in terms of the economy, uh, it has the sixth highest poverty rate in the country, uh, but it is Trump plus 39. So mm -hmm. uh, one of the dynamics here is that Joe Manchin has said very openly, it's like, hey, you want me to leave the Democratic Party? I'll leave. <laughs> and then the Democrats yeah. immediately are like, no, no, no. But like, like that, that's not what we mean. Um, and the Republicans have very openly said, hey, Joe, join us. <laughs> you know, we would love it. Yeah. <laughs> and so... So one of the, the uh, facts I saw that I, I found interesting, and th this is from uh, the People's Basics, which is um, uh, like a friendly podcast. Um, and so they said, look, 5% uh, of Democrats are not for Build Back Better. And so expect it, so if you have a couple of senators who aren't for it, that actually matches up. Checks you out. Know, yeah. like it, yeah, if you have 50 senators... Uh, two senators maybe aren't for entirely. It's four percent. Yeah, it's like that. That makes sense. But apparently, about thirty-four percent of Republicans are for Build Back Better, mm. and uh, zero Republicans are for it. And, and so, like, that's the the mismatch. And this is the argument I would make: is that and people are, are looking up, saying, "Oh, it's uh, you know that like th this drama is upsetting." Uh, you know, the the fact that the Democrats. Um, don't have unanimity on this stuff should not be surprising, though, because you have a very, very big tent party that's stretching all the way from Joe Manchin to, you know, the other extreme. Uh, Pramila Jayapal, I guess, would, would embody the, the opposite extreme. Um, and, and so you have to look at the other side and say, again, like that the problem is polarization. It's the lack of bipartisanship. It's the fact that zero Republicans are willing to be for any aspect of this, which then puts the Democrats in this very tenuous position where they're trying to, to do it through reconciliation, can't lose a single vote. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, the proposal that uh, I sent out there, a lot of other people sent out there too, is like, look, if you just vote on the child tax credit, you might get 10 Republican senators who are for it. 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I can say very confidently Mitt Romney's for it. So I could see like 51. And then, you know, like the, there are a bunch of others that are at least uh, willing to contemplate it. Um, and so the, the problem now is that you, you have a two party system that requires uh, someone to have a, a real majority to legislate because, you know, the other party won't help you at all. Um, uh, and and then you wind up with Joe Manchin having this much clout and power. And then if West Virginia has a particular take on uh, an issue, let's say climate change, <laughs> that, 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 that becomes um, uh, the game deal changer. Yeah. yeah, deal breaker in this case. Though, though I do think that Joe Manchin's coming back in January and that there's still going to be a deal to be done. You know why? Because no one has a choice. Like, you know, like like the, the entire team Dem and the Biden administration have been building up to this for eon for like not eons but like you know five six months um so they can't just go to zero uh joe manchin is still a dem he his uh constituents still do have problems there are a lot of parts of this bill that he's already said he's open for mm-hmm. uh you know even his self-reporting is like look he's game for 1.5 trillion uh you know though he wants it to be paid for and the, the congressional budget office here here's the the way they do things is like they think that if you have a new program then the new program sticks around, which, by the way, is correct. <laughs> and then the way the D.C. bill measures it is like, hey, we just have this thing for one just year. Five so just five years. Uh, not even five years, man, one year. So, you know, so so if you look at it, it legitimately is like, hey, this thing's 10 times more expensive than you say it's going to be. And the, the CBO is generally accurate on that. And, and everyone knows it. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang. That's helixsleep.com yang. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. My question, Andrew, is when you were running for mayor in New York, you talked about when you're running a budget like this, if you're going to spend, you have to spend on things that generally grow the pie. Um, you want to, for sure. In, or, yeah. Yeah, in theory, right? So like... And it's a t- they're tough decisions. I remember one of the best ones you had talked about was like, okay, in theory, and from a human level, is hiring 100,000 social workers a good idea? Like, yeah, that's going to make a lot of people like healthier, stronger, and whole. They're going to do a lot of wholesome work. But are they going to grow the economy so that I have more budget to pay for them two, three, ten years from now? Probably not, given the nature of their work. And so 
investing at least in the beginning with stuff like this when you're in a deficit to uh, things that are going to grow the economy grow the pie um and make it bigger for next time so that you can pay for those social workers. Well, in for, for the bill, record, using that as an example, I actually would, I think the social workers are a good investment, but continue. <laughs> okay, whatever it was, right? Um, forgive me. Yeah, for, yeah, but, but it was something else. Um, well, there's, there's certain things that in, um, where they're helping people, but they're helping like stop bleeding as opposed to growing, right? That's what I'm getting. Um, are there measures in Build Back Better that you think grow the pie? Or you think, it is it the same logic at the federal level, I don't know what your thoughts are there in terms of making this, uh, in terms of the economic stimulus pieces of this. Yeah, I, I stand up and down and just like, you know, champion the child tax credit because to me that's a pie grower for sure. It's like you put money into the hands of uh, families that are close to the waterline and then their, their kids are healthier, better able to learn, um, you know, mm -hmm. have the school supplies, uh, less stress in the household. Um, so, and they're going to spend every single dollar where the freaking grocery store, uh, daycare centers, uh, small businesses locally, like you name it, like that, that money is going to go, it's probably going to get spent more than once. Um, and, and so you're alleviating poverty, you're improving people's lives. Uh, and, and one of the things about the example you cited with the social workers is that when people fail, it's very, very expensive. Right. Uh, you know, like if, if a family ends up on the street incredibly expensive. Use the New York example. It's like a homeless person in New York, if they wind up in the sheltering system, uh, is costing something absurd, like you know, seventy-two thousand uh, dollars a year. So you look at it and be like, wait a minute, you can just like pay for someone's rent on that. <laughs> and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you theoretically could, um, because we have very, very expensive dysfunctional systems. So if there is uh, um, something I'm pumped about, it is the child tax credit. Uh, there are other elements of the 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 mega bill that you know, like I'm I'm warm to, um, but none of them like uh, delivers a bang for the buck like the child tax credit. I like the prescription drug. Oh, I mean, oh yeah, the we can, they can negotiate for lower prescription drug prices. I mean that that thing is approved by something like seventy five percent of Americans uh, because it's obvious. Um, right. I, you know, I, I didn't think that had survived, Zach. Um, you know, that that's in there. It probably is trimmed. I mean, who knows? I thought the medical lobbyists managed to kill that thing. I mean, I'm curious your prediction here. Do we end up with like a watered down version of Build Back, the original Build Back Better, which was so all encompassing, and we're going to get like half measures on all of these, or do we end up with like one or two big things that will work, and a bunch of other, you know, less important or smaller? Um, let's call it nonsense. <laughs> I, I think we wind up with a watered down Build Back Better. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, I like the, the Dems don't have a choice but to try and keep pushing it through. Um, I it, it's you know it seems like Joe Manchin wants to do a deal, um, and that those are the main players right now. Uh, I, I I will say though that when this stuff came out, uh, it made me very sad, and I think it should make everyone very sad. Is that um, you have such clear dysfunction at a DC. Um, and it turns out uh, just like real mismanagement, real uh, just miscommunication from people who should be on the same team and have had longstanding working relationships. The whole thing is just sad. Um, and, and it's particularly sad for the, again, tens of millions of Americans who were hoping that they'd get a check in January uh, like they have the last number of months. So I, I've been sad really the last number of days, even though now it looks like they're going to come back to the table and maybe nothing has changed. You will wind up with some kind of watered down version of this thing, I think. Um, uh, all of that said, um, apparently it gets harder and harder 
to pass a bill in uh, the next term, or not not the term, legislative term, um, where when they come back from the holidays, because now it's election year time, things get harder, um, apparently. Uh, but I, I think they'll pass some watered-down version, in part because they've been baking this thing for so long. And Manchin has been on the record saying he'd approve something at around like one and a half trillion. Would have been better to say, okay, I'm going to pass 10 bills. One's a child tax credit. One's universal pre-K. One's a negotiation for prescription drugs. Like get everybody on the record on each one and let people make their own compromises that way instead of putting it all into one kind of big like comeback plan. Uh, and it's because, it's, of, it's because of this reconciliation process weirdness, man. Like, like they, they had to smash it all together because they're trying to pass it along narrow party lines on a technicality. To get around the filibuster? Yeah. Okay. I don't fully understand. Not claiming to be a DC expert, just an outsider talking the, to you with an opinion. Oh, yeah, no, the, yeah, there's a, it's good, man. You represent the, you know, like majority most, of some, the vast majority all of, all of us who are indifferent ish. <laughs> yeah. So that there's, so the, there's a, a narrow way that you can pass bills uh, just along like a simple majority. So in this case, it's like 50.1 votes because they get right. Kamala as the tiebreaker. Um, uh, and uh, there are certain things you're not allowed to do. Like uh, it, it, reconciliation, what they do is they say it's like, hey, all of this is budgetary. Uh, mm. they're, 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 there's like a giant game being played. Um, it, it's one reason why certain things that they want to touch, like immigration reform, they're actually rules saying, no, no, you can't do that through this process. Got it. So, so that's why they need all 50, and they, they had to do it this way. It's really a mess, uh, in, a, in a way. Like that there, so there, there is like an argument to be made um, that you know, like Democrats are trying to govern as if they have a more durable majority than they have, um, mm. which I'm, which I don't hate in the sense it's like, yeah, shoot your shot, like go for it, you know. But right. <laughs> you know, in the sense that, um, you know, but that's why Joe Manchin has so much power, right? And also in T minus eleven months. to ten months, you've got, you know, you can assume well, it's tough. It's a tough assumption. You're a Democrat, but you've got to assume you're going to lose a bunch of seats. Um, and your majority. Oh yeah, I, like I think just about everyone knows that the Republicans are going to take the House in um, in, in November, unless something freaking like dramatic changes. I, I have a hard time imagining even what it would be. Um, so just to throw some math out there, we've probably done this before, but right now Democrats have a five-seat majority. Traditionally, the white the party in power in the White House loses ten to fifteen seats. Um, so even if you had like a normal off cycle, you would imagine the Republicans win. And oh, guess what? The Republicans just won in Virginia where Biden won by 10 points. Oh, guess what? Like uh, Joe Biden is tough to say this out loud, but Joe Biden is like uh, nearly historically unpopular president at this stage. Um, so so you, you know, you put this stuff in you'd be like, yeah, Republicans take the House. The real question is, do Republicans take the Senate? Uh, now, the Senate is tougher because the map actually lays out better for Democrats uh, for for the Senate, mm -hmm. um, like the number of uh, Democratic senators who are up for reelection or in competitive races is low relative mm -hmm. to the number of Republicans. But like, you know, if you have a big enough wave, Democrats could lose the Senate, too. But that, that that's the one that they could be, you know, trying to hold. Uh, if you do play that out, though, if Republicans have the House and Democrats have the Senate, what happens from the Democratic side next to nothing? You know, so yeah. um, so you, you so you do have this 10 months to try and get something across the finish line. Realistically, not even 10 months. Nothing's going to pass in the few months prior to re-election uh, to November. You probably have like max 
um, five or six months in the beginning of next year because every House member will be out there trying to, you know, like get reelected. And oh, by the way, you're seeing like a, a, an uh, anomalously high number of Democratic retirements um, from the House. <laughs> they're like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So Is that they're, they're like, older. They're like, I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. Oh, some of them aren't old at all. Like Stephanie Murphy out of Florida was yeah. like the standard bearer for the moderates. Um, I think they're called blue dogs, uh, problem solvers. Like she's the head of a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and she's, I don't know, like forties, like, uh, um, wow. 50, like maybe 50, I think she's in her forties. Um, so she just announced she was, uh, not going to run again. Um, another person uh, in California just announced they're not, they're not going to run again like that. So th- there are a number of things going on. If you are a member of Congress and you're a Democrat, like this has been your opportunity to get big things done. And you see the writing on the wall. You're like, even if I get reelected, I'm going to be here in the minority party and it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Um, so am I really going to sign up for that? Um, the, the second factor is that right now the climate in Congress is very, very negative and uh, spiteful. Um, where someone told me that the Capitol or the halls of Congress used to be like a shopping mall, um, even at like 6, 7 p.m., because everyone's just like going around. Well, there's like a lot of energy, a lot of life. You're like walking around, staff's like, um, uh, you know, doing work. Now they, they say all the doors are closed and it's like, a, you know, like a ghost mall or uh, like, like the, the vibe is really negative. People are just trying to get out of there. Staff are very demoralized. Um, uh, part of this was the January 6th insurrection where uh, uh, like it changed the energy and made people not feel safe. Um, and that there have been a ton of uh, death threats to various members of Congress, uh, much more so than at earlier points. Um, so if you were a Democratic member of Congress, you're like, wait, why, why am I like coming back for this stuff? What's my upside, um, yeah. Yeah, what, what, what's my upside? So you're seeing a bunch of people retire. Will that hurt Democrats' chances of, you know, like limiting their losses? Yes, it will, because, you know, you'd much rather have an experienced incumbent with lots of money running in, in a seat rather mm-hmm. than, than someone new. Yeah, so the prospects of Republicans taking the House next year, I think everyone recognizes are very, very high. Yeah, I bet the calculus is pretty simple. It's like you could you can leave here as the rational, sane one or stay on trying to plug holes in the bathtub is um it's our, you know that's or you know whatever your your bathtub analogy where you're trying to fight a solved problem that can't be solved and get dragged down with it yeah it makes sense oh. yeah so, so so those are the the, the prospects ahead um you know there, there's still a window of opportunity in the first quarter of next year trying to get something done Speaking of things I need to get done, let's talk about Omicron. That's how you say it, right? It's, an o- it's Omicron, uh, brother. Damn it. Uh, Omicron. Okay. Omicron is, as a someone who's been in New York until um, recently, I'm now in Florida, um, ripping through the city, um, but not in the same way like prior COVID outbreaks have, have gone where everyone's getting it, but they don't really have symptoms um, and the hospitalization and death rates are far lower. I don't know what you're, let's, uh, let's talk about, I guess, your perspective on what's happening with the new variant here. Oh yeah. Omicron super contagious. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, I mean, there, there were stories where like people went to a wedding and like half the people got it. And, and unless you were at a wedding where like, you know, people were 
um like making out with each other or something like you know that that, that seems like awfully <laughs> that's high yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's high right you know yeah. like you're not that freaking proximate in in a lot of these environments uh what mm -hmm. did i see in the number it's like the, it's like you know more than five times as contagious um, it's 73 percent of new covid cases right now about to pass the delta variant spike in cases where our seven day average is 146k uh essentially impossible to contain its spread contact tracing it, you know ridiculously hard um you know one of my proxies for this stuff zach is what's going on in the nba i mean have you noticed this stuff uh, like 70 NBA players have gone into health and safety protocols, which means they got tested and were positive or were, you know, in close proximity to someone who tested positive, yep. but a lot of them were just tested positive. Uh, yep. the now, NHL canceled like basically all their games from now till Christmas. It took a week off essentially. So to your point, this is a different, uh, a, a different type of variant in that it's super contagious, but it, it's largely pretty mild, particularly if you've been vaccinated. Uh, there was one NBA player who said his main symptom was boredom. Uh, you know, now an NBA player who's been vaccinated as like a super athlete is not a normal specimen, but it, it was right. still like like that. That is what's happening, where a lot of people are like, I you know, I felt like a little cold, and felt like this, especially if right. you've been vaccinated. Um, that so that this is going to call for a different type of approach. Um, right. I I think for the average person, um, you should do. Uh, what's reasonable, um, which in my opinion would include uh, being vaccinated and getting a booster and then wearing a mask and doing some social distancing. Um, but all of that said, you should expect that you're probably going to get Omicron. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, it's, like this, is, this is not like a pure avoidance situation. This is a, like, you know, uh, make yourself um, resistant and resilient, uh, take some precautions and then expect to get it. Um, and then unless you have pre-existing conditions, um, you know, expect to be fine. Like the hospitalization rate for Omicron is very, very low if you've been vaccinated. So I, I want, I've been doing some research on this and I wanted to get your opinion, but also give some takes here. So, um, so our friend, friend of the show, Sagar and Jetty, um, co-host of Breaking Points with Crystal Wall, um, and then um, he had an interesting thread that sparked this conversation. And then I talked to a consultant um, who we trust because there are a lot of consultants we don't always trust in DC. But um, he said, um, he basically, I want to I preface this by saying, I think I'm vaccinated. I'm going to get my booster. I, I think these are a good thing. Donald Trump is for the vaccine and the booster. Like, like there's a, like the data is pretty unanimous that it's keeping you out of the hospital um, uh, and keeping you from dying. Um, but it hasn't really, what Sagar was saying, that it hasn't really shown to kind of stop the spread very much. Like there's some evidence on viral load, but it's not, it's inconclusive. Um, so the vaccine have kicked ass at preventing hospitalizations and death. But what he was saying, what Sagar was saying, they're not always helping with spreading. And what the solution actually should be is way better testing and a mass investment in at home or easy access to rapid testing. Um, and right now you're seeing this, I saw this at home, there are massive lines to get tested in New York City and DC and in major cities. Um, and in your point, Andrew, with we're in a country right now where 82% of adults have gotten at least one shot, you've got about three quarters of the entire population is vaccinated. Um, your That last 25, 
or so percent is not um, the low hanging fruits gone. They're probably not getting there. Right. Those are folks that either are allergic to it or will never do it. They don't trust the government. And that's tough. And I think um, the White House put out a statement. Jeff Zentz or Zeintz, I'm not sure is how to pronounce his name, but he's the White House COVID response coordinator. He said uh, he made this basically kind of villainize those who are unvaccinated. He said we are the quote was we are intent on not letting Omicron Omicron crap Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated dude, dude. you are doing what's dude, up dude so Omicron the long O is not right it's just ah just make an ah Omicron damn it I got it right the first time or whatever yeah you got it right the first time you corrected yourself to the wrongness <laughs> All right. yeah, so his quote was we are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated you have done the right thing and we will get through this for the unvaccinated you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. And I think the mandates on vaccines, I think, are counterproductive because the folks that are not getting their vaccine are going to have the same reaction to the mandate. And I think what they should do is mandate tests. And I'm curious your thought on this mandate testing. So you don't have to get vaccinated. But if you're not vaccinated and you want a job, companies are requiring you to test daily every 12 hours whatever it is and the government sponsors that so make it a pain in the ass but you still have the freedom to do it like this is just the, our new normal um like you can wear whatever pants you want but you have to wear pants is kind of the um the vein of a freedom i'm talking about i don't know what you thought there but that's there's some companies that are doing this that are just being like hey we're going to test you up the wazoo test you every day yeah i i just met with a venture capitalist yesterday who said that he thinks it is unconscionable that we don't have uh tests in every house could send them to yeah. all of you he he said that you know that that unit cost of a test in terms of for the manufacturer is pennies nickels and most um you know that there are some instances where they're charging 30 bucks for something that's costing them less than 30 cents ah good old good old us of a and uh, you know so so there the fact that you have lines around the block in new york for testing I don't know about you all, but like that, that makes me not particularly want to stand in that line. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to stand it. I want to walk near it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be long. You figure some of those people probably have it. Probably because, have like, it. They're, yeah, they're, they're going to test it. It's like a very, very comedy line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. So a, yeah. I mean, this is common sense. So, um, so uh, my, my friend, the VC was like, we should just be sending everyone tests like all, all the freaking time. Yeah. Um, and he's right. Uh, so, you know, like the, the um, like Omicron is a different animal and our current setup is not um, well designed for it in, in ways because it's much more contagious uh, and more mild. Um, and so something like pervasive at home testing would, would make much more sense than than our current setup. So I have an employee. I'm going to leave out what organization because I, um, I don't want this to become a thing at that org. But uh, I have an employee that has an allergy to all of the types of the vaccines. Can't get the vax. There's a high risk of, of health risk by getting the vaccine. Um, and then I have another employee. Allergic to vaccines, one. eh? I've heard that yeah. one before. And I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but like her whole family's vaccine. <laughs> she's, she's really lefty. Like, Let's call it that way. She's oh, she's liberal, right? Um, um but another employee that's a, a cancer survivor and um, 
like is is highly susceptible to COVID and is um you know like is, is very very cautious about being around those who are unvaccinated and as an as an organization what do you do there right because I, it's tough to punish either i don't want to punish either of them for their own health situations right so we try to do as much remote as we can but it's not yeah, always feasible. remote that thing remote that um, thing yeah and it's i think for the employee that actually is allergic to it now it's a small subset but you don't want to punish them um but you also have to take care of the the public health right so i think like the NFL, I think, did some things right and some things really wrong. I think what they did was, if you're not vaccinated, you got to get tested way more often. But what they did was that if you tested positive, if you were unvaccinated, you had way more severe consequences than if you were vaccinated. And that, at a certain point, got a little unfair um, and a little ridiculous. Um, Aaron Rodgers went on a rant about this. I didn't agree with everything, but something, some points you made were accurate. Um, so I, I don't know the solution. I do think... Um, testing would would solve a lot of that um than trying to have this like mandated vaccination vaccinated society it just might be too tough and cause a lot of resentment from the populace i i think it depends on the circumstances truly it's like you know like if, if you're in a job in a role where you're going to be interfacing heavily with with other people and the rest of it i think it's reasonable to say look like you know we're sticking you in that environment <laughs> and, that's a good point and like and if you're gonna do that job, you know, it's like yeah, you, you, you gotta be vaccinated. And then that's a company decision rather than a government decision, or can the government say industry wide? Or, um, you know, what I'm saying like uh, that's where I'm getting at. What's where does the rubber meet the road in terms of the decision, the decision maker? So for the government, I mean, they're they're looking at their own employees and saying, like, yeah, hey, they do government what? employees, right? Yeah, yeah, like you, I'm looking at you. And it's like, and and by the way, a lot of these jobs involve like you know being around a lot of people, like right. on, on the regular. I think that's wholly appropriate. Uh, you know, the, like you said, like the gray area comes when they're they're saying, "Hey, private employers, do this, do that," um, right. and then, you know, there there are ways that that the the, the government can twist people's arms um, in various ways. Uh, you know, and, and that that is like the tougher call, the gray area where you know I prefer to leave it to the firms because the the firms have a better sense of what's going on with with their employees. But that I mean, that's that we do do this. We've done it for measles and mumps and polio and other things. So. Um, this stuff's delicate. I think Sagar made some really good points. I thought, um, um, you know, the consultant I was speaking to made some good points about the. This was a this was a conscious decision by the Biden administration to basically go to war with the anti or the the unvaccinated. Um, but that said, like one of the things that's crazy is a lot of the folks in the military, like military vaccine vaccinated numbers went up pretty um, pretty. Like it's, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Well, so of I mean, so so here, here's part like here are the the things that are tough, man. It's like. If you leave people to their own devices, a lot of people are not going to get vaccinated. By and large, yeah. population-wide, it's a good thing to be vaccinated. Like, yep. and, and so if you're the government, uh, you know, like, what are you going to do? It's like, you're going to encourage everyone to get vaccinated. Go all in. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so it, what, what's funny is I get asked about, uh, you know, my, my take on this in different ways. And it's like, you have a very different take depending upon what seat you're in. If I was the head of the government, I'd be like, we got to do everything in our power to get everyone vaccinated. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, 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 no, genuinely, this is like, oh, well, yeah. like population wide, it like makes sense and like, let's freaking do it. Um, you know, now if you're not in that seat, then, you know, you have a different perspective um, because you understand that people are in different situations and it's more nuanced and like, you know, like uh, the, the rest of it. That makes a lot of sense. How dare you have nuance, Andrew? Um, there's no room for that in my 140 character But, but I will say, uh, you know, I've been vaccinated. Like, uh, you know, I think everyone should get vaccinated. And if I was the head of the government, I'd be pushing everyone to get vaccinated. 
So we have cataloged dysfunction in DC, nothing new, but very dispiriting. We talked about how Omicron wildly contagious and you know, it should take precautions, but uh, probably gonna get it. So we're trying now to, to end on uplifting notes here on the Ford podcast. And I'm going to make a case that uh, is, I hope very upbeat and positive, which is that the new Spider-Man movie is something we should be excited about on a couple of levels. No um, spoilers, I, right? No spoilers, no spoilers to be clear? No, no, okay. no spoilers. So number one, this movie did gangbusters business. Uh, it is the second biggest opening of all time. It beat out Avengers Infinity War. It's right behind Endgame. And it just goes to show that if you have a compelling offering, then people will still come out in droves to go to a real-life in-person movie theater, spend some of their hard-earned money, put their butt in that seat, and watch what... I will say I saw this movie. It is a very, very uh, excellent movie. <laughs> and so, number one, there there is still hope for real-life in-person experiences uh, like movie theaters. That's good. I think they did a really good job marketing it, too, between the lead characters dating and the the rollout i think they let a lot of you mean that pretend romance no i'm kidding it seems real (laughs) it might be fake and if it's fake i bought (laughs) it hook line and sinker baby oh Um, it seems real it seems real you know one of the most uplifting pieces of content on the internet if you haven't seen it you should go to see it right now is the lip sync battle between tom holland and zendaya the singing in the rain uh video zach do you know what i'm talking about i do and tom holland was showed to me that how talented he was and that without you know a side of him i hadn't seen before at least when i first watched it if you don't know what andrew yang is talking about right now just go to youtube and google singing in the rain tom holland and you will be glad you did because it's the most delightful four minutes of content and so you see future boyfriend and girlfriend tom holland and zendaya in a lip sync battle they're both phenomenal but tom holland kind of next levels this thing he does something that uh, in a way, it, it kind of sets such a high water mark for lip sync battle that there's no place to go but but down. You know what I mean? Like you, you already kind of like like defined the form, and then everyone else is a pale imitation. Anyway, so check that out. That that that'll be a, a bit of uplift for sure. Um, but the the second reason why I think that this movie is such an exciting marker for the future is that it does things that no one thought were possible. And that's kind of what we need in American life today. I'm going to just throw the, you know a couple of parallels. It's like you have this dysfunctional duopoly and it's like, oh, we're trudging along and everyone's sad. And then Andrew Yang comes along and is like, hey, let's start a new party, the forward party. And let's, by the way, try and make it so that new parties can emerge that aren't just us. Like, you know, anyone who wants like a vibrant system. And then people are like, oh, oh, it's not possible. It can't be done. There is stuff that goes on in this movie that you would legitimately say like this should not cannot be possible <laughs> like think things that some uh fan fiction writer even they would be like there's no way like like th- this thing just doesn't seem and and they did it in like a major major tent pole like uh you know what like at this point uh maybe like a franchise defining tent pole um they just pushed so many boundaries they integrated different uh, worlds and, and universes. Um, and, and so right now you have this political universe that is so staid and insular and it's like beltway this and like, you know, like uh, cable news that. And, and then there's this entire world outside of it 
that we need to kind of combine and integrate with the world of politics. It's happening in media. You can sense it. There's some like alternative media voices that are just rising in popularity because people are so tired of the nonsense and the BS. Um, and, and so you can imagine what like a normal uh, Spider-Man movie would, would be like. And now it would just seem like such a crushing disappointment compared to what this what they did with this movie. Like, uh, so it, it's, it's kind of funny to say, but like, I, I feel like this movie gives you like a sense of what's actually possible if, for example, a couple of major movie studios, let's call them Sony and Marvel, got together, combined all their IP, took like, you know, 20 years of movie history and like smashed them all together. Um, if, if Sony and Marvel can do it, maybe, you know, the American people can do it too. Maybe like Ford and libertarians and uh, socialists and Democrats and Republicans and independents can all make it happen. Wow. That's like, frankly, not that they need it because it looks like they're killing it, but that's a pretty ringing endorsement for a movie, Andrew, um, from you. So um, I was going to see it this week. Maybe I'll go tonight. Maybe I'm not like, you know, get out of my chair. See it and like freaking send us your review, man. You can text me because that, that, that movie was like, there were a number of times walking the movie. I was like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. <laughs> like it's like, like this stuff that you would imagine in a dream. And then like they, they invested, you know, whatever, like tens, hundreds of millions of dollars in it. I love it, man. And I, I like it. We're ending this on uplifting things. I'm going to rattle off a couple too. Uh, we have an HIV vaccine in the works that's looking really positive. And it's the same mRNA technology using the COVID vax that seems to be working. It's not official yet, but it's in we're in human trials at this point, which is super exciting. There's a company called Air Company, which you, know, you can debate the name, that makes alcohol out of air. Have you seen this? No, but I like it. I would, and, I would experience but it's that crazy that they're creating a product that doesn't that's like extremely good for the environment to produce or no no cost to the environment um now i've not tried this i need to buy it um to t test it out and maybe it's mad expensive i'm not sure but i like the trend of companies like that making money selling a product people need with basically no like carbon neutral or look carbon at the, negative, look at you promoting right? air alcohol you don't know shit about it and you haven't don't know tried shit about it, it but it's it. still cool it's worth trying right it sounds um, cool forward sponsored by air alcohol air company Continue. air company if you're listening to this we would love a sponsorship um and the other one I'll, I'll leave you with is this stuff just fascinates me there is a professor eduardo fernandez who's the director of neuroengineering at the university of miguel hernandez in spain who has gotten us one step closer to helping blind people see he's basically created this like i don't want to call it a bionic eye because that's too far in but basically Instead of trying to fabricate, it's a bionic and like recreate, eye. yeah, I guess so. Instead of recreating <laughs> the eye, though, it's like plugging into your nerves, and then there's a there's a yeah there's a camera that's like sending, but it's using the brain signals that we normally get from our eye um, to help your brain interpret what's going on out in the world. Um, and it's it's in a woman's, it's been implanted in a woman's head, and she's like <laughs> had like pretty good success. And then, and then the wild. first thing she does, the first thing she does is she goes to a police station, leans into the desk and says, I'll be back. <laughs> and then walks out and then crashes their car through the front. Maybe, maybe, maybe which maybe Terminator to, is this? This Terminator 2? That's, that's, that's one, brother. That's one? <laughs> that's, 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 that's,
<laughs> There's been way too many Terminator movies. They've tried. It's like all these future movies, you see people get healed real quickly, and I just don't think we've gotten there yet. Um, but I think we're we're poised to take a leap, um, whether it's their stuff in spinal cord injuries or bionic eyes or bionic limbs. Or, or slowing awesome, and man. reversing brain aging, man. I mean, that's like the main one like uh, that my guy's working on at MIT. Uh, you know, and, and and you should know Andrew Yang is not one of those uh, like people who's like we're gonna live forever. We're gonna do all this stuff. It's like you no. know, like I like I'm 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 not that guy. <laughs> but 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 if we can uh, slow down uh, deterioration and that leads to Alzheimer's and the rest of it, I mean that that's mm-hmm. gonna just save save lives and like improve people's quality of life in like an enormous way. You know the Black Mirror episode where they upload their consciousness into a like a different reality. Like there's one, sure. I think it's the eighties one. Yeah. Are you f- in favor of that or is that too much too far in terms of living? Forever? You know, I, I think if we did it, it would, it would just be, you know, I'd be dead and then there'd be like some simulated version of my consciousness, yucking it up in like some software interface. Like, does that do anything for, for me? It's like, I don't know my loved ones, if they want to hang out with a simulation of me, maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like, I, you know, as you can tell, I'm not that into it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I'm not thrilled with living forever either. I think the the finite aspect of life makes it better, um, as as much as it makes it harder. I'm 46. I'm turning 47. There are like different life stages that occurred like different times. I mean, like the things that I'm into now, so different than you know 10 years ago or 15 years ago or the rest. Of, I mean, obviously, I'm still seeing the same movies, so I mean that stays the same. But like Spider-Man that, it didn't just change. <laughs> it was just like you're, you know, like the the way you want to relax and enjoy yourself. Yeah, it's like. You know, like that maturation, it's generally a good thing. I, I will say too, though, that like there, there is something, I, I, I looked at the happiness curves of uh, men, this will make you happy, Zach, but apparently like men tend to get more chilled out over time, middle-aged and like older guys, this will be good news for all the dudes listening to this, but like apparently we, we, we do get more content and relaxed as we get older. There's like an intensity um, to, to the, you know, to being young that ends up kind of moderating over time good times good times i think it's a good thing i think being in a monogamous relationship has helped me with that um yeah what do they say you hear that lady zach might be off the market Uh uh-oh hear that monogamous (laughs) did he just out himself as being a boyfriend there goes half of our female listener base there they go (laughs) Um, they weren't here for me I think most people are here for you, man. I'm here for color commentary. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I think there's like a time and a place and like, you know, it includes like aging, um, uh, you know, a- aging, uh, you know, we want to stay healthy and whatnot and vital and productive um, and positive. But, you know, there, there is a, a there's like a series of uh, stages that, that, you know, I think are part of life. And on that happy note, happy holidays. This is going to come out on Christmas Eve Eve. I uh, hope that everyone is having a wonderful holiday uh, with loved ones like Zach. Zach's visiting his family. Uh, hug your your mom, your family members, uh, your friends. Treat yourself well. We have a bit of a break. 2022 is going to be the year uh, of, of some stuff. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be better than this year. So, yeah, just try and get like a, a true rest. Relax. Treat yourself well. Take a walk. Uh, you know, commune with nature a little bit and we'll all be back at it in no time. Happy holidays, everybody. Bye.